Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. I, I do think we will see with rates rising sort of across the board and the changes to the base rate and the cost of living, we probably will see the market slow down quite considerably in the coming months. The government hasn't done an impact assessment and Michael Gove's come out and said, no, we've not assessed what this policy is actually going to do, uh, which is extremely worrying. They haven't hashed out the details um, and that's why it feels rather political. Every year we replace about 5% of the houses we sell this way. As a result of this, the UK society is running out of uh, housing that, that, is, that is affordable. Now, when it comes to the property market, there are always new figures to crunch and big headlines making a splash. But over the last couple of months, it's been a particularly busy one with big changes affecting borrowers, first time buyers, leaseholders, the list goes on. And as the Bank of England says, the housing market is closely linked to consumer spending. So with the cost of living crisis continuing, where does this leave house prices and anyone looking to remortgage, sell or buy? To answer some of these big questions and shed light on recent announcements. I'm very happy to say I'm joined by our podcast regular for all things property, which property expert Stephen Maunder. Hi Lucia, nice to be back on the podcast this week. So good to have you back, Steve. So I mentioned there that crucial link between consumer spending and the housing market, because at the start of this week, we heard how the UK economy had shrunk for the second month in a row, according to the Office for National Statistics. And I've since seen the media asking whether we could be sliding into a recession and a slowdown then in house prices. So Steve, how are house prices looking now? Has there been a drop at all or is it too early to see the impacts of GDP falling? Well, at the moment, it's too early to say, really. Um, I suppose the most important thing to point out is that the property market isn't bulletproof from issues in the mm. economy. But historically speaking, it tends to ride out most crises. So we look at things like the um, coronavirus, Brexit, changes to interest rates. The impacts on the property market usually aren't quite as severe as people think they might be. So... The current house price data from everywhere, really, the land registry, portals, uh, mortgage lenders, suggests that house prices are rising by about 10% year on year. But that's not particularly useful for us because the year on year comparison is comparing to during the pandemic. So we've had comparing to times like during lockdowns and during the stamp duty holidays, etc. So those snapshots aren't particularly helpful. The indication we have at the moment is that the market is a little bit slower in terms of house price growth than what we're seeing in those figures. So we're kind of looking at single digit growth sort of month on month. 
And although prices are still rising, they're perhaps not rising quite as much as the headlines suggest. Well, well, let's hear more on this now from property expert Marta D'Souza. Here she tells us how the issue of supply and demand is also impacting house prices. I think the only person that can answer the question of, about where the property market is going to go is someone with a crystal ball because it is, is, is very difficult. A lot of people predicted that uh, COVID would really reduce the market. We'd have a huge correction in the market. I actually personally did not predict that. I thought there would be a slight slowdown, but only in the growth. It would still continue growing and be quite strong, which it actually did for uh, the year to come. We are going to see a cooling off of prices. We've already seen that. We've seen a uh, decrease in, in people going to look for a mortgage, but it's forever always in this market, a problem of supply and demand. Uh, we've got quite a high demand and very low supply. And in these times when inflation hits, uh, what happens is people choose not to sell. So prices aren't going to go down a, a very high degree. They're going to stay put and people are not going to move out of their homes and they're not going to go through that process. So let's talk now then about how mortgage rates are being affected. Last week, the Bank of England reported that mortgage approvals have fallen to their lowest level since June 2020. Now, before we talk about interest rates, can we break down what else could be at play here? Marta already mentioned a lack of supply. Um, does, does the fall in mortgage approvals also suggest a drop in demand? What I'm getting at here is, are less people looking to buy for, for the first time or move, given the soaring cost of living at the moment? I think we'll certainly see that become a factor in the coming months. I think the data we've currently got doesn't necessarily count that in just yet. And it's in the second half of the year. We'll really Mm. see that. Um, Transaction levels may well drop a little as people prioritise the day-to-day cost of living and look at putting moving house on hold. Again, the the Bank of England's data, while useful because it's a monthly data set, it it doesn't give us the full picture again. Because between July 2020 and June 2021, we had the stamp duty um, holiday for over a year. And that was a huge flurry of people moving home, mortgage approvals through the roof. Mm. That was followed by mortgage rates hitting record lows in the autumn, which again really stimulated growth in the uh, in the mortgage market. So you would kind of expect mortgage approvals to be a bit lower at the moment, regardless of the sort of the wider economic issues. But I, I do think we will see uh, with rates rising sort of across the board and the changes to the base rate and the cost of living, we probably will see the market slow down quite considerably in the coming months. And can we talk a bit more then about mortgage rates? Um, when we've had you on the podcast in the not so distant past, Stephen, as you just mentioned, we were discussing those headline hitting sub 1% interest rates. But with the base rate and interest rates edging up, what are the best deals on the table right now? Yeah, it's, it's really crazy to think that last October there were more than 100 deals on the market with rates Isn't below it? 1%. Yeah, it's, mm. um, we even saw rates, I think 0.79% was where things bottomed out, which is absolutely mm. crazy, really. Um, mm. So seven or eight months on, we're in a different world from what we were then. Um, we've seen four base rate increases so far. I mean, we're, we're talking... Today, by the time people listen to this, there may well have been another base rate rise that's being announced <laughs> th- this afternoon, I believe. So we're now looking at the cheapest rates being triple those record lows we saw in October. So well above 2%, even if you've got a big deposit. And at the other end of the scale, though, for people with smaller deposits, the good news is first-time buyers haven't been as badly affected by the rate rises. 
Um, but 95% mortgages have started to creep up a little bit in the last couple of months. So they're now kind of just above 3% once again. Um, I think what, what I would say is historically speaking, these figures aren't terrifying um, compared to like some of the figures we've seen in the last sort of five, 10 years that they're, they're actually quite competitive and still relatively low. They're just shocking compared to the record lows we saw yeah. last autumn. Well, it's good to hear that that they are still competitive, as you say, but there's been another change to hit borrowers, making it harder to get bigger mortgages. Uh, is there still a general rule that you can borrow a certain number of times your salary? So generally speaking, you'd expect to be able to borrow about four and a half times your salary when you take out a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, some lenders have always offered a little bit more than that, perhaps five times income or even five and a half times income if you work in a certain profession, um, they're professional mortgages for doctors, solicitors, etc. Or you earn over a certain threshold. So people with higher earnings, as you would expect, may be able to borrow slightly more. But that, that has changed a little in the last few months. We, we've seen HSBC tighten its lending rules on mortgages over four and a half times income. And Nationwide, who've always kind of been the pioneer, really, in allowing first-time buyers to borrow more, have also increased the minimum salary they're now requiring from uh, from borrowers with a 5% deposit. So that's kind of a shame for first-time buyers because it does kind of reduce mm. the options a little bit, especially with house prices rising. But as we've discussed earlier, it's, it's kind of to be expected um, with the wider economic uncertainty at the moment. And also um, the Bank of England's mortgage lending rules. So the Bank of England limits how many mortgages can be granted at four and a half times salary or higher and it reviewed this recently to see whether that was still suitable for the current market in 2022 and it decided it was so that limit is still going to stay in place for the foreseeable future so wider economic uncertainty um, bank of england rules means banks are just very much proceeding with caution and they're trying to limit riskier lending a little bit In response to these rising figures uh, last week, there was an announcement from the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, pledging to turn so-called generation rent into generation buy in a review of the mortgage market to help more people get onto the property ladder. And he went on to add that the government will look into ways to make low-cost finance, such as 95% mortgages, more accessible for first-time buyers. Well, Steve, do we know what this might look like in practice? Well, this is certainly a really interesting announcement because ultimately there is only so far the government can push the current rules, as I just mentioned about the Bank of England limits, etc. Yeah. The the crucial thing, and the government seems to know this and accept this, is that house prices are unlikely to fall anytime soon significantly. So it's all about making credit more readily available. Uh, in the last sort of five years, we've seen increases in the number of 30, 35, even 40-year mortgage terms. And it wouldn't surprise me if the government's way out of the current situation is to try and find a way of allowing first time buyers to borrow more money for longer. Mm. And ultimately, that's risky business because we're already seeing very long loans. And, you know, as we said, some lenders offering five or five and a half times income. Mm. So what the government may have to do and what this review may kind of cover in the coming months is it may have to take on some of the risk itself that's faced by lenders. Um, It may have to underwrite riskier loans, for example, to really encourage lenders to allow people to borrow that bit more. Uh, It's a really tricky area that needs suitable regulation to to stop 
dangerous lending taking place and people getting in quite serious problems with things like negative equity. So I imagine in the next sort of six months, we'll see a lot of discussion, consultations with the Bank of England and industry. And we'll really have to just watch this space to see what happens next. And in in a similar move, the government also announced plans for an extension to the right to buy scheme for people living in properties owned by housing associations. So around 2.5 million people who currently rent from these not-for-profit bodies will now be able to buy their homes. Steve, this sounds a lot like Margaret Thatcher's scheme back in the 1980s. Remind us what happened back then. And is that a fair comparison to make? Well, yes, it's it's kind of how the government is billing it now. Um, this this mm. was very much introduced in the 1980s by Margaret Thatcher to allow tenants in council homes to buy their properties at a discount. And that discount would rise based on how long they've lived in the property. So what's happening now is the government is looking to extend this to people living in housing association properties. Uh, we don't yet know whether the same discounts will apply. We haven't seen the full breakdown of what the rules will be. But I think the key thing is don't be fooled into thinking this is a new thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, despite the government's big kind of bells and whistles announcements in the last couple of weeks. This policy was announced in 2015. Um, Wow. It was piloted in the West Midlands in 2018, and that didn't go so well. There was very low uptake, Mm -hmm. and there were some real concerns raised over how viable it was to actually replace the social housing that was sold. So mm-hmm. someone buys the property and that's great for them, but it takes a property out of social housing then, which causes pressures in another area. So the government announced in 2015 they were going to bring in this policy for housing association tenants. Uh, it was piloted. And then when Theresa May came in as prime minister, it was kicked into the long grass and kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And now it's being reannounced and relaunched as kind of new exciting package but we we haven't yet really seen whether it will be any different from what happened last time well now back to your point steve about how viable the right to buy is we've also been speaking to dr alexander zia malis senior lecturer in economics at sheffield hallam university and here he tells us where problems may lie in the new scheme there are quite a few uh, quite a few issues uh, the issues broadly fall into two main categories the first category is about the people who will be getting uh, those properties. That's one category. And the second category is about the UK society as a whole. So for the first category of reasons, we have people who will be getting a mortgage. Now, these are people who may be struggling already uh, with living cost expenses. And now they will be given a mortgage and they will be given the mandate basically to pay for all households uh, 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 maintenance by themselves. So can they really afford a new, blo- uh, a new boiler? Can they re- really afford to fix the roof in the midst of a living cost crisis? Now for the second big area of issues, the problem is that we tend not to replace those houses. So we sell them away at a very, very low price usually and then we do not replace them. So every year we replace about 5% of the houses we sell this way. As a result of this, the UK society is running out of uh, housing that, that, is, that is affordable. And when we put this topic to Marta, she also flagged that a reduction in the number of housing association properties could be an issue. What does this do? This reduces 
housing association stock. So they're going to have an imbalance uh, in their balance sheets in terms of stock of property that they could offer other people. This means that people that actually need to get in, um, into a housing association won't be able to. The government hasn't done an impact assessment and Michael Gove's come out and said, no, we've not assessed what this policy is actually going to do, uh, which is extremely worrying. They haven't hashed out the details um, and that's why it feels rather political. Ending there on affordable housing, which is a huge topic of debate. And and following on from this, I feel like we're running through a a number of very similarly named initiatives today, uh, from right to buy to help to buy now. It's all changing, isn't it, Steve? We're nearing the deadline for first-time buyers to take advantage of the scheme. Do you think it's one buyers should be in a rush to make? Yeah, so help to buy, yeah, it's quite similar named, isn't it? But it's it's been running since 2013, um, scheme for first-time buyers, primarily to buy new build houses with 5% deposits and get an equity loan off the government, which means they can take out smaller mortgages. Um, I won't go into further detail because it's it's a scheme that's been around so long, I think people have got a good handle on what it's about. But essentially, it's coming to an end next March. And the government was expected to say that if you want to buy a home under Help to Buy before it ends, you'll need to reserve it before the end of December, just to give you time to actually get all the process done before the deadline in March. But now it's actually said that you're going to have to have it done by the end of October. It's brought the deadline forward by two months. So from the point we're at now, buyers basically have about four months to reserve a property. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean you should rush to do it. Um, Help to buy has been great for some people. And it's hundreds of thousands of homes have been sold under the scheme. But we've raised a lot of serious questions in the past about its effect on house prices, really the soaring cost of new build homes. has really been influenced by the help to buy scheme so i think that the jury is out on the pros and cons of how well it's gone even though the deadline is coming up in just a few months it's important to weigh up the various different options one thing to keep an eye on actually is the government recently launched its first home scheme which will allow first-time buyers to buy properties in their area with a discount of up to 30 percent now I get the impression from the government that this is going to be quite a big thing over the next year or two. It's been rolled out quite slowly at the moment. So we're seeing councils that are being involved prioritising key workers in their areas, for example, and not that many properties being sold under the scheme just yet. But I do feel that once Help to Buy kind of goes away, this will be the thing that really comes out and the government will really push this to try and get buyers to use it. So if you are thinking of buying a home, it's worth just looking at these options and weighing up whether they might be viable for you. I mean, that sounds like a dream scenario, doesn't it? Getting up to 30% off a property. It it almost seems unreal. I think the the thing with first homes is that we just don't yet know what types of properties will be included or exactly where they'll be and how many of them will be in each area. So it may be that... Uh, Whereas with Help to Buy, there's lots and lots of properties sold under the scheme, available under the scheme. It may be that with first homes, initially at least, there's a bit more of a battle to actually get one. So I think think that might be the biggest obstacle in the short term. But I I do think the government will roll it out in a much bigger way over the next year or so. Look forward to seeing how that that rolls out then. Um, And just one more very significant change to mention before we wrap up, and that's that ground rent is soon to be abolished. Steve, this is a big change to shake up what I think is quite an antiquated section of the market. How will it work now? And 
Will it be good news for all leaseholders or just the people buying after the change? And you might be able to see what I'm getting at here, because as you know, uh, as I think you know, I, I fall into that category of leaseholders currently paying uh, a ground rent. Uh, yes, of course. Um, this is something we come back to um, quite regularly, isn't it? And mm. the truth is we've been waiting quite a long time for all of the various reforms that the government has put forward to actually start coming into place. So this first one is good news in theory because hopefully it will start the ripple effect of all of the others. Um, so the, the new changes will only apply on new residential leases, which means essentially new people buying new leases won't need to pay ground rent. Uh, unfortunately, it won't solve the wider issues facing lots of existing leaseholders at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I do think there's more kind of hope in the future reforms that the government's working on. So around fixing the costs of buying freeholds, which will help get leaseholders out of the whole leasehold system entirely mm. and bringing in common hold system for people living in flats. So I think now this first announcement is out the way, the government is really looking to press forward with the others. So hopefully we will start to see a solution for those people trapped with high ground rents uh, on sellable properties. But as you know, we've been talking about this since about 2018, I think it is. Mm. So I can never guarantee it's going to happen quickly. Yeah, it's another one we'll just have to watch this space, won't we? But does it does feel like a good step uh, to be taking? I'm really happy, to, you know, to hear you talking about this. And finally, then, as ever, when we do one of these episodes with you, Steve, anyone listening, whether they be would be buyers or current homeowners, will be expecting a look to the future into your crystal ball, so to speak. So, if we do look ahead to 2022, the rest of 2022, what are experts predicting? Is it possible to end on? An optimistic note here. Huh, I'll, I'll try. Um, <laughs> I don't think house prices will go down, but I do think the house price growth will slow down. And what we'll see will be broadly in line with some of the projections made by experts at the start of the year. So more like figures of 2 or 3% growth rather than the kind of 8 9 10% we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. The, the current issue of supply and demand probably isn't going to go away anytime soon. There are still too few properties coming onto the market. And as we discussed earlier, there may be even fewer soon. Mm. Um, and ultimately, it's that lack of supply will keep house prices up despite the various wider challenges we've discussed today. I, I think mortgage rates, uh, to a degree, will be dictated by how how much of a handle the Bank of England gets on inflation over the next few months. Because I think there's, there's an acceptance that... There's only so many times the Bank of England can consecutively raise the base rate in an attempt to bring inflation down. So once we kind of reach that point where the jitters set in over constantly increasing interest rates, I think things will probably um, solidify a little bit then rather than this constant uptick that we've seen in the last few months. I, I In terms of optimism, I certainly don't think the floor is going to fall out of the market or that transactions are going to grind to a halt. But I I do think it'll be a challenging time for people looking to buy or sell in the second half of the year. So as always, we just say, take the time, do your research, please don't rush into things and best of luck with your house search. 
Thank you so much to Steve for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover in future podcasts or even dedicate an episode to, then please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or drop us an email at podcast at witch.co.uk. Please do also subscribe to the show to make sure you catch us again next week. And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money this episode of the witch money podcast was produced by rob lilly with additional support from ian aikman and charlotte gifford Music.